On today's podcast, we have a very special guest who's going to help us talk about systems and automation. Andrew is the Aussie bloke living in the US. Heather is the American gal living in Australia. Together, they travel the world sharing strategies on how to put your business on autopilot. Doing business online is no longer about having a website. To get more clients and take care of the ones you have, you will need a map. They've got it. So sit back and relax and welcome aboard. This flight is bound to autopilot your business. Hey everybody, this is Andrew McCauley. Welcome to podcast number 119. We are going to break a little bit of tradition today and we're going to have a very special guest. And if you've been listening to our podcast for any amount of time, you know that we don't bring on anybody as guests. We only have a few select guests and we're very excited about today's guest because uh, he's been a big part, although he may not know it personally, but he's been a big part of our development and and our uh, structure for the last couple of years. And we're excited to be bringing him on. Before I do that, of course, I'm joined by Heather Porter. Hey, Hitch. (laughs) <laughs> Hello, Andrew. Hey, guys. It's so cool to be hanging out with you again. And when I got the email from Andrew, he's like, hey, 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 check this out. Do you want this guy on our podcast? I'm like, what? Seriously, this is the coolest because we've been using the platform that he's developed for, you just said, Andrew, two years and we rave about it. So we have him on. And Andrew, I'll let you do the intro. Yes, yes. Well, um, let me dig into it because I want to uh, I want to spend as much time as we can with him while we've got him on the line today because you guys are in for a treat. There's lots of experience to be shared here. So let me share this with you. So Vinay Patanka is the CEO of Process Street, the simplest way to manage your team's recurring processes and workflows, easily set up new clients, onboard employees, and manage content publishing with Process Street. Vinay also co-hosts the podcast Business Systems Explored where he does deep dives into business system, systems with industry experts. If you want to see how other entrepreneurs structure their sales, their recruitment, marketing, their engineering teams, you've got to check out Business Systems Explored, but not before you listen to today's podcast. Hey, Vinay, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for the great intro. <laughs> it's so good to have you. We're so excited to just dive into your wealth of knowledge, not only as an entrepreneur, you know, with multiple startups, but also just your findings through Process Street. So um, welcome. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So let's let's dig in today. Just a little bit of a background. I know that you uh, you were in corporate Australia, I think it was, uh, some pretty high paid jobs, but there was a time when you sort of said, uh, I don't think this is going to work for me. Um, take us through the the transition where you decided that corporate world wasn't for you and there was something else more that you wanted to do. Give us a rundown of how that happened. Yeah, I think my initial um, driver was travel. <laughs> so it wasn't, mm-hmm. wasn't really kind of the entrepreneurial side or that I didn't like my job. Um, you know, I had a good job. It paid well relatively speaking to other people I knew and grew up with, you know, things were looking pretty good. And I didn't have too much exposure, I guess, to other entrepreneurs. There's not really entrepreneurs in my family or things like that. Mm. So I didn't really kind of like think that that lifestyle was possible initially. Um, but the, 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 the real initial kind of motivator or driver that, 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 that started the whole, you know, snowball rolling down the hill was around travel and was about figuring out if I could essentially just 
travel indefinitely um, and trying to basically build an income to do that. So not looking to build a giant scaled business in any way, not really even thinking of it in terms of trying to build a business that was um, even necessarily automated or not. I really didn't care about that. I more just cared about the location independent factor of it mm-hmm. um, and more that I, I could control you know, my schedule and my time and maybe earn something close to what I was earning in a, in a locked in kind of corporate job, which had very little flexibility in terms of time and location, right? Yeah. So it was, it was more just about displacing that aspect of the job. Um, the rest of it, I wasn't too, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't disappointed or didn't, didn't not like it in any way. I just kind of wanted, I just saw that it was restrictive in terms of that, that, that time control. And so that being said, I didn't have a kind of background in, um, you know, a lot of the traditional types of careers that digital nomads do. So, you know, programmers or designers, um, content writers, content creators. Um, I didn't really have a background in that, in, in, in any of those kind of industries. So it was, I didn't really have a kind of freelancing career that I could just kind of tap into and start and start making money from. So I needed to figure out, okay, how am I going to make money then? And then it basically just worked out that that running a business was the thing that aligned most with my personality type, which is kind of a background in, in a bit of sales, a bit of technology. Um, and I just studied business and I understand kind of how business works, right? Yeah. And so so that was kind of the path that I took. And the first business that I started to try and build some, some location-independent income was an e-commerce store. I pretty much read the four-hour work week, which I guess you guys have probably talked about a bit. Yep. <laughs> um, and... Pretty much followed his model, like almost exactly. It's pretty funny it, that, that he talked about it in that book ages ago. That would have been 2009. Mm. And I pretty much just found a product that was being sold in the US and, and, and figured out a deal to import it into Australia and then just started selling it as like the Australian distributor of the small e commerce store. Really? Mm. Um, that's like how it all began. And it wasn't, it wasn't automated. Um, I did, I did um, hire some help with fulfillment mm-hmm. you know, so I, I kind of had one person part-time that was doing that but otherwise it wasn't automated i was doing all the marketing i was doing all the um you know everything pretty much all the customer support all the design and development of the website like everything and it was a lot of work but the cool thing about it was it was location independent mm. um and yeah. and that and that's kind of where it all began and through running that e-commerce store i started having to figure out all the different parts of business, right? So first started with customer acquisition and then increasing customer value and retention um, and then and then scaling all the operational parts of the business. And so kind of through that, I started to learn more and more about other, other types of businesses, other channels for marketing and uh, started to get more ideas. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, and so the ideas is one part, but I think another thing that's like incredibly important about that switch was, and something I didn't really understand at the time when I was when I was making that decision, but quickly learned, you know, six months after I'd I'd switched from doing that full time job into doing um, the e commerce store, was once you're in the mode of like building and managing a little business or a project, whatever it is. At that point, it was just me, you know, six months mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. It's not just that. Well, you, you you basically get this this thing opens up that allows you to basically run more tests. I don't know what it like how you exactly describe it, but when you're in a job and you're working nine to five, 
you know, you, you work and if you're in a, in a high paying job, you probably, you know, uh, have a lot of hours and are on a pretty, pretty high, high stress. Right. Mm. Um, and so you're generally working all day. And then if you, if you want to come home and start another business or work on a project, you have little energy, little time. You've got all those other things that you have to worry about. Mm. You also don't have any kind of infrastructure set up already. You don't already have a business and bank accounts and maybe some customers or maybe a list or maybe some traffic that you can, can do some stuff with. Like you don't really have any resources to play with. So you're you're kind of in this very difficult position to try and capitalize on new opportunities when you're yeah. in a job. Yeah. Bootstrapping, when, right? Bootstrapping to the max. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but once once you get out of that 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 mentality, and now you're running your own business, even if you even if you don't make as much money initially, um, the the big value that comes is is you basically have flexibility to start testing your opportunities, right? Like a new, mm. a new a new customer comes in, or a new partner comes in, or a new product opportunity, or whatever. Like all these opportunities that can really be big, you know, kind of black swan moments in your in your career or in your business, that 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 one deal, that, that or the one partnership, or that one kind of intro that can really make a lot of difference down the line when you look at the kind of stacking effects of it. Um, you don't have the time or energy to explore any of that stuff when you're stuck in a job. Yeah, and you, so you don't have the boundaries or the limitations that are put on you by the bosses, you know, the the owners of yeah. the company. So you're it. You you are the limitation. So I guess the boundaries of been taken away when you're when you're at that point which makes it so much easier to explore and experiment with stuff yeah exactly and 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 to me it was more about you know having the time and the flexibility to be able to actually start to absorb some of the opportunities that are out there and probably um carefully kind of consider them and 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 do analysis on them and try and figure out like how you know what the return would be on them, right? And just kind of constantly thinking in that way. Um, at that at that point, I didn't feel like the e-commerce store. And maybe this is also another another part of it. But I didn't feel the e-commerce store was something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. It was kind mm-hmm. of a stepping stone. And and I guess with that, like now, I'm super busy with Prostrate. I don't really have the time to experiment with other businesses in any way. Mm-hmm. But we're constantly experimenting inside Process Street, which is a, a little bit of a different thing. Um, but yeah, at that time, you know, I was looking for other opportunities to grow beyond um, the e-commerce store, and I felt that just being put in a place of being able to permanently think about that all the time, mm-hmm. um, and talk to people, and network, and um, you know, read about what other people are doing, and experiment, and and whatnot, just just kind of opened up, you know, hundreds of doors that I was now at a point where I was like, oh, now what do I what, what am I going to choose? You know what I mean? Yeah. It didn't. It, once I started thinking about it and looking at everything that was out there, it was like, oh, actually, there's a million things that I can do um, to, to to hit those initial goals of building that uh, location-independent uh, income. And then it was just about kind of working through those different ideas and opportunities and figuring out. When you started off with that um, e-commerce site, were you were you doing a lot of things manually? Were, were your processes so much that you were busy just keeping up to date with that manually or were you starting to think how do I systematize what I'm doing here was that something that was going through your head at that point or did that come later yeah I mean it was just me initially and so there were two places that I could really systemize on um one one place was the the fulfillment side which is the actual packaging and processing of orders 
which was, you know, coming in as a daily thing many times a day. Mm -hmm. And then the other side was basically digital things that were around, you know, the website and marketing automation and traffic automation through things like, um, you know, PPC campaigns or email drip campaigns or, or, you know, outsourcing some, some, some content, that kind of stuff. And so initially I, I felt that it was much easier for me to automate things that were purely digital. Um, and that had a lot of, I guess, support in terms of the technology that was built out there. So, you know, I started, I, I initially built the, built the website on Shopify and I had MailChimp going and, you know, had a few integrations going and some, some automated drip campaigns and that kind of stuff. And so those are the things that I looked to automate first. Um, and I don't know if it's necessarily, it's not really like operational systemization, right? It's mm -hmm. more just kind of web development. Yep. But I feel like that's the lowest hanging fruit when you're looking to optimize anything so, or automate anything, sorry. Because like it's much easier to automate stuff in a purely digital world than it is to mm -hmm. automate things across like the physical and digital, right? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. now, now, did that, did that, um, that first venture in e-commerce, was that enough to uh, keep you make you survive I guess um, did had you quit your job at that point yeah so I quit my job and it pretty much was enough to survive I was earning less money running that store than I was um, working full-time mm -hmm. but it was still enough for me to live and then also because I was in cheaper countries at that point I started traveling and I was in you know Thailand and yeah. uh, mm -hmm. Dominican Republic and stuff and so it, my um, quality of life didn't didn't subtract that much because right. of the exchange rate benefits, but I was definitely earning a lot less money. But at the same time, the other interesting thing that happened was uh, I, w I was actually building an asset that then I could end up selling. So at the end of it, I ended up probably making on par with what I would have made in the year and a half working with the building, the income generated, and then the selling of the e-commerce store. Right, right. So from from the pure income side, it wasn't as much if I just kept running it, right? Yeah, mm. got it. Did, go did you start to, um, at this point, because you were saying you started to look at other opportunities, you know, and you're sort of thinking, is e-commerce the thing I really want to be doing in the future? Um, what what happened, you know, what was the next step from the e-commerce? What was the next opportunity that you took on? Yeah, so I started looking at, well, the one of the annoying things about the e-commerce store was that there was still a physical component to it. Um, in that I still had to fulfill these orders and there was returns and, um, you know, shipping problems and misspelled addresses and just like things that were going on, um, on the physical side that were a bit annoying for me because of time zones and that, and that kind of stuff. Um, so I, the next kind of thing I was looking at was something that was purely digital and I'm still kind of on my own here. I don't, and I'm not, a, I'm not a developer myself. So I was looking at things that I could pretty much do on my own. Um, and so the two businesses that I pretty much tried were one was like a content business where I was creating and selling content. Mm -hmm. And then the other was a lead gen business where I was driving leads for other companies. Um, and basically using the knowledge that I'd learned on the e-commerce store about um, you know, PPC and Facebook ads and um, using that to drive leads for other companies. And I very quickly tested both of them, not very quickly, but over the course of, say, six months. Um, I, did, I tested content for about three months and then tested uh, lead gen for another three months. And lead gen clearly won as the thing that was making a lot more money for me. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kind of just shifted the whole business into that. Mm -hmm. And then that became like a much larger, more successful business um, where over three years I grew that to about 20 people, uh, distributed team, and we were doing lead gen for like Geico and Citigroup and um, a bunch of companies. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I like what you're saying as well is that you were trying two things at once, weren't you? So it's almost like that whole thing you hear. I was, so I was basically, I didn't yep. want to try two things at once directly. Okay. Ah. But basically, I, I, I was running the, the, the e-commerce store still, and I'd spent three months trying content and then basically didn't get the returns or didn't get the initial traction that I was hoping for and mm-hmm. paused that and then switched into doing um, lead gen. But I basically told myself I was going to kind of run these as tests, right? But I wasn't doing both of them yep. at the same time. It's kind of like didn't have enough time. Got it. Okay, because I was going to start to address that because I know a lot of you know people growing their businesses. The more scattered they become, the more nothing works. Mm. So you were doing e-commerce, and then you started the content, and then the content didn't work. So straight away, you then moved into the lead gen. Yeah. Yeah, I pretty much. Yeah, I pretty much had decided that I was going to sell the e-commerce store, right? Got it. And then at that point, I'm like, okay. But before I did, I, I was still kind of making making money from it and still running it and trying to just build its value a bit, and. Uh, then I kind of set three months to test the content thing, and then that didn't work. And then I set three months to test the lead gen. Mm. There's a couple of cool things I like in Android that I'm hearing, you know, like setting the deadlines, um, measuring and testing and knowing what's mm. working so then you can move on. Um, yeah, pretty cool. But what else? What else, Andrew? I know you had well, a question too. I know that you had a startup. You, you, uh, had, you've had a couple of startups. One of them wasn't as good as you planned. But um, just give us the reasons, the the main one or two reasons why your startup didn't work the way you wanted it. Because I know Heather and I talk about this topic a lot, um, and I just want to touch on that a little bit. So um, give us the overview of what happened or what what it was about, and then uh, why you think it didn't work. Yeah, sure. So basically, what happened was I was running the lead gen company, and I started to make. Uh, you know, good money from that. And I had a team and I started to systemize that business a lot. We can talk about how that led into Process Street too, but mm-hmm. that was an actual business that I got up to 20 people and I really had to build systems for, right? Um, and, and and where I got a lot, of, a lot of that experience for. But I was also in a position where I was starting to get more time and had more money to experiment on new ideas and products. And kind of, you know, the startup world has always been something that really you know, fascinated me and, you know, to always read about it in Australia and I have a background in tech and all that. Um, but it was, it seemed very far away. Um, and so I was always looking for an opportunity to potentially, potentially get into Silicon Valley and, 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 and work there. And, and I really like the idea of building something mm-hmm. versus lead gen, which is just arbitrage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, I was always, uh, once I kind of got to a position where I handled my kind of income problems because I knew that going into a, going into a startup, while it may seem like a, uh, a quick way to get rich, actually it's not <laughs> um, because actually you make no money for the first lots of years. Um, and, uh, you know, even if you're paying your salary, you know, even if you get funding or whatever, you're paying yourself a salary, you're still not making great money, like not as much as you probably would be making if you go work for someone else. Right. Um, and then... You know, there's all the all the risk factors in there that if 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 it doesn't work, then it all goes to zero, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I basically was working to kind of set myself up as a base, and then once I'd done that, I looked at started looking at different startup ideas, and it was initially it was a very 
you know, pipe dream kind of thing. And I, 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 I only knew about startups from afar, right? Like I didn't know any of the insider knowledge. I wasn't, you know, didn't, didn't work in or spend time in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. didn't go to any of those schools or anything, right? Like I just, I just knew what I read from externally, which is, mm-hmm. which is basically you don't know anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, from that, I'd, I'd basically come up with an idea that I got, you know, in just some stupid moment um, <laughs> of, of this idea of basically uh, creating videos that could be that could be essentially linked together to create a longer video. So a kind of social video creation platform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And there was a lot of hype in that point of, around video apps, pretty much all of them which are now shut down, <laughs> including all the really successful ones like Vine and yeah. Um, yeah, and there was a couple of others that were blab really and, big. Yeah, um, Meerkat and all these live videos are all yeah. suffering the, the, the same thing. The live, the live videos and the social videos, like all of them pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 none of them really survived. The only video platform that really has lasted is Instagram, if you can even call it that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and so, so it was kind of a hot space. And like, oh yeah, you know, that looks like a place where everyone's making money and that seems like a thing that people would like and would be cool. Uh, and so let's build it. <laughs> Yeah, so, <laughs> that's so, pretty much was the idea. It wasn't very, very thought through. So you were trying to um, create a, a situation or a product for people without realizing, you know, it's not solving any problems, you know, and, and we see this all the time and we're dealing with businesses. Heather and I do this a lot is people will come along and here's my business and we look at them and go, what problem are you solving for anybody? Well, I think the world needs this. And you know, I read an article that you wrote about the reasons why some this failed. And one of the one of the things you said, I tried to spin up problems that I could use in pitches and conversations. Right. You know, and I think that's what people do to themselves to try and justify keep yeah, you'd keep your own Kool Aid. Yeah, right. Keep going, <laughs> and uh, and it's just it happens so so often. Um, and you know, I, I just. I think it's just such a, a a big point if everyone's listening out there and they're and they're in the middle of starting up or they're creating a business for a problem they think the world wants, you know, go and spend some money and see if they want it first before you go and spend a lot more money and time building yeah. something that's not wanted. So you know? like now I went through AngelPad, which is one of the top accelerators and um, you know, went through fundraising mm-hmm. and I spoke to all these people and it's a very it's very interesting to see like the way that you know when you go into AngelPad how like everybody approaches building a company to like how I did it then right and if you go in like in AngelPad you kind of spend three months and there's people that just spend three months doing customer development calls right, right. Like, 20, 20 calls a day like that's all they do for like wow. three months right they're just like, <laughs> like wow. that's it right that's your that's your job it's like because you don't need to like a lot of like building especially technology. <laughs> Yeah. Very, very expensive. Uh-huh. And yeah. building the wrong thing, as I found out with um, Vitoto, which is that last startup, yeah. can waste a lot of time and a lot of money very fast and basically just, just be vapor, right? Like it yeah, just right. turns into nothing. And so, so yeah. And, and so, so, so building something that people actually want and validating that before and validating there's a need and a problem in the market is, you know, what these types of accelerators like Y Combinator and AngelPad and whatever, like mm-hmm. very much force founders to do before they move forward and building and trying to raise money against that problem, right? Right, great. Very so, smart. So then, so then give us the, uh, let's, let's sort of flick, change focus to uh, Process Street. Um, what was the big problem that you were finding was uh, that you were going to solve with Process Street in your mind at the start when you created it? Yeah, the main, 
The main problem that that we had was um, around just around visibility of processes. So, um, and 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 it's interesting because the, the the problems we solve now are not the same as the first problem that I had. Right. Uh, we do we do solve that problem, but we also solve a lot more problems now. Uh-huh. Um, and that is around like around uh, task automation, for example, yep. which wasn't wasn't in the initial um, in the initial kind of deck of mm-hmm. the process tree at all. Mm-hmm. But the initial the initial um, the initial problem that I was solving was around visibility and knowing that my remote team, so at this point I was managing 20 people and they were all in different places around the world, was getting visibility across what exactly my remote team was working on right. and what had been done and hadn't been done and having yeah. accountability against that. And and doing it in a way or d- deploying it in a way that was very easy for understand and had low error rates. So for example, we were using a lot of spreadsheets and stuff before mm-hmm. and that had some visibility across who was doing what, but it had a really high error rate of uh, new people not understanding what to do, like incorrect cells and things getting changed here and there, and kind of it 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 wasn't like a controlled enforced workflow, um, and and so easily training and onboarding and tracking what people were doing in a remote environment where I just wanted a dashboard where I could say, okay, what did somebody do yesterday? Uh, what did this person do the day before? And kind of easily see that all in one place was my big problem. Yeah. Um, so just for an overview for people that, that haven't heard or haven't seen Process Street before, do you want to just give us a quick quick uh, overview of what what the, uh, what the it's what it's about um, and some common uses that people are out there using it. And we, and we can give our, our example of what we've been doing with it, but um, just for what you've seen and, and your overview of it. Yeah, for sure. So what we're building Process Street towards is being the home for all of a business process, uh, all of a business's processes. So there's kind of three main parts to that. Um, there's just your standard process documentation or knowledge-based documentation that you might have in your company around how to do certain tasks, how to do certain processes. You know, this is how you set up a new computer, or this is how we um, send our documents to our accountant, or this is how we create our you know yearly financial report or whatever. Um, so, so we we're, we're kind of the home for all those documents. Um, we're then also we also want to be the home for all your um, all your workflow-related data. So the actual execution of those processes um, and so what we what we've built is we basically built a workflow platform that helps you execute any of those processes or as many of those processes as we can in your business so for example if you did have a process that was like end of year financial report um, instead of it just being a document saying this is how you do it it could actually be a living workflow that was a checklist with different tasks and then inside those tasks could actually be the content that you're trying to collect. So for example, if you need different pieces of data to build that report from different people, you need different um, reports put out of different systems, we can um, instruct people on how to do that, we can collect all the data, and then at the end, we can just spit out that report for you. And so instead of it just being now instructions on how to do it, we actually will help you collect all that data and then we'll just actually do the end task for you um, Hmm. automatically at the end, right? So it's not just, storing how to do that data it's also it's also storing the results of that uh, sorry how to do that process it's also storing the results of that process so the finished report and then it's also storing and then it's also automating other tasks in other systems um, for example if you needed to push some of that information into your you know accounting platform to generate that report then we can we can link up with that and do it automatically so 
How would you say it's different from project management platforms like Basecamp or Trello or Teamwork? Do they do you need them both or do they work side by side? How would you describe that? It, it depends on your business. So um, some businesses may only need project, although usually they're only a really small business if that's, if that's the case. Some businesses may only need process if they're a very process-driven type of company. Um, for example, we see a lot of like accounting firms or um, medical type companies where they're just really doing that same kind of process over and over again. You know, they have a capacity of this three dentists in this office. They're not building new projects on how to scale their dentist things, right? It's a pretty kind of like standard operating um, procedure <laughs> that, that gets run all the time. Um, and so, so those, those, those types of companies might run just on process. But most of the time, if you're a bigger company than 10 people, uh, or 20 people, then you're running both process and project management. Um, mm. and, and and usually it's different teams. Uh, well, usually everyone will need access to the process management tool, um, and and some teams run heavily workflows on it, and then other teams might be running uh, on the project management tool. So I can break down the differences though, just to be just to be clear. So mm. for for Process Street, we really want to store all your data. So we want to be the place where anybody in the company they need access to know anything on how to do their job. They access process sheet. Also, if they need to see reports or access data from the, the completion of those of those processes. So, for example, if you're supporting customers or onboarding customers, and you want to see like all the all the tasks that were done related to that onboarding of the customer, or if you're generating reports and you want to see the final reports, um, the 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 end kind of resulted data of that completed process, we also want to store that there as well. So you can so you can push it into other systems um, and use it there, or you can run reports on it and analyze actually how you're running your processes. Because um, and we love your system so much. I mean, I think, um, Andrew, what would be cool is to share, like you said earlier, an example of how, like how we use it, how mm -hmm. we use it in conjunction mm -hmm. with, say, Basecamp, so people can visually understand, you know, the, the, the layout. Yeah. So yeah, we use it with Trello as well, but I'd love to hear how you guys use it. Yeah. How do we use it, Andrew? Well, I'll use it for a couple of different things. <laughs> Initially, um, our one of our opt-ins, our lead magnet that we've been giving away for, geez, it feels like forever now, is our five steps to triple your traffic. And that is a direct uh, result of all of the things that we did in Process Street. Um, and, the, and the way we tripled our traffic, there was a whole range of, um, of steps that we had to um, do and I think looking back at this about there was about 98 steps we had to do but each step was a checklist of something that somebody in our team would had to do you know someone had to go and do some research for a topic someone had to go and um, once that research was done rewrite um, a new article for that particular topic and then we had things like creating images for it creating little snippets creating um, video grabs from it we had to do reach outs for all these sort of people. So we had, but sometimes you couldn't do one before the other. Like you couldn't go and um, create images from a blog post that hadn't been written yet. So it had to be a specific linear order, if you like. Um, and what, what I loved about Process Street was that at any time, like Vinay said, at any time we could see who was holding the process up. Like we knew that certain things had to be done by Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. And we knew that if it, if if we've got a pause in our whole process, we can go into Process Street and look at who was the last person to check the box and who's the person supposed to be checking the current box because that's where our system is broken down. And we could easily contact them and say, "Hey, what's going on? Why haven't why hasn't this happened yet?" So we knew that we weren't ringing around everybody to find out what was going on. They had to make sure that these boxes were up to date. 
but also through um, Zapier and and I want to just I'll ask you that in a few minutes about Zapier and IFTT some of these um, third-party API tools that are really automating a lot of this stuff but we were using some of the Zapier tools that would automatically trigger other events or shoot off an email like for instance if somebody just finished writing the blog post and as soon as they checked the box we would get an email that said hey uh Katie's just finished writing this article now it's your turn to go and do something so we'd make it easy for everybody to know that it was their turn to partake in the process and uh it was one of those things what um that we could create but when we created our lead magnet to give away and show people how we did this part of what we did was download we downloaded the uh the actual checklist in a pdf form and people could download it or print it off and have it next to their own computer or business as they were creating their own five steps to triple their i mean their five steps to triple their traffic so they could check it off as well so we actually used it as a giveaway as well so because that was important people wanted to know the process and a lot of people get confused about what comes first you know is it the chicken or the egg so it was a good linear instruction booklet for them to follow so that's how we used it i currently use it for a lot of social stuff now there's a lot of things that for social reach out and social integration that i do um i use it for keeping me on track because there's so many moving parts that i i print it off in the morning and i just discovered this uh about six months ago that these tasks every week i have the same task every week that i have to do um there's an automation tool in process street that actually um, creates the task for me every monday morning so as soon as i turn on my computer it's already there and i'm ready to go checking the list off and off i go again so that's sort of a couple of ways that we're using it right now very cool then like in trello sorry to interrupt in trello we would have side by side with that right so we'd have like that would be our content process or operations process yep. inside of Process Street. And then in Trello, we'd go in and we'd have individual content chunks. And some would vary. Like if we did a podcast, say with you, you know, we would we, we would have like, this is what you have to do to reach out to them and follow up with them. They'd be very specific to the piece of content. And we'd have that in our project management system. So whenever somebody is in doubt of how to promote that piece of product, they go into Process Street. So it's kind of like a, it was a marriage between the two, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, we, we we use it that way and we see a lot of people use it that way as well. Um, but just, just quickly, I'll, I'll talk about that in a bit more detail. But something that we just actually pushed out today, hasn't been announced yet, is a task-based assignment. Okay. Wow. And that will actually allow you to assign different people to different tasks and set due dates on those tasks. Really? Huh. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I love so, it. And we'll automatically send out those emails that you just said you were doing through Zapier uh-huh. when like this task is completed or a task comes up to be due, right? So uh, it and a lot of people have built kind of custom solutions for that and we finally built it. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Love it, love Congrats. it. Congrats. So so just give us a what what's your um I mean Zapier's been around for a couple of years and IFTTT has just gone through a bit of a change with their applets and stuff. Where do you see the future of this automation stuff? Like, what what do you see as in the near future for this sort of thing? I mean, it's just going to keep penetrating businesses, right, and just mm. become more and more powerful. Like, a lot of this stuff has already been done through traditional APIs, right? I mean, traditional that API is not very old; they're still only like five or ten years old. <laughs> yeah, in this world, but, uh, it's a lot. It's old. <laughs> Uh, you know, and then and then these are just you know Zapier and IFTTT are just UIs so that anybody can basically um, build 
API connections without needing any kind of coding experience, right? And and so it's a proven, you know, it's a proven market in that like companies have been integrating stuff for for a long time, and there's been a big need for it, and there's been you know giant products built by Oracle and big consulting companies that have been doing this and blah blah blah, and it's kind of just just making that more and more accessible to everybody at a lower cost. And I think that's what a lot of uh, products are currently doing is their mission, including Process Street. It's more about the consumerization of this technology mm. and around making it accessible and affordable for um, all, all sizes of, of companies or even even for personal usage, which is, you know, what you see a lot of IFTTC do, doing, right? Yeah. Do you think um, that... Do you think that um, you know, you, you focus on processes. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a big trend towards, hey, we're doing all-in-one solution. We can do everything. Email, we can do marketing, outreach, CRM. Everything was all in one box. And they were, they were good in some aspects, but they were lacking the power of some of the individuals that were focusing on specific tasks. Do you think we're going to see less of those and more people like yourself concentrating and being really, really good at one specific task and letting the Zapiers integrate the really cool stuff that you want. So it's almost like a custom scenario. Or do you think we're going to still see the all-in-one solutions trying to take the market? Yeah, good question. And this is, I think, a pretty pretty hot kind of topic right now. Um, and there's a lot of companies being successful. Well, there's a few companies that are being successful with the all-in-one approach. Mm. Um, so I'll, I'll name a few that I know of. So Intercom, HubSpot, uh, Stripe, Salesforce are all companies that provide, like Microsoft, provide like many parts of the stack, mm. right? Mm. Um, maybe like Intercom, for example, is an, is an example of a product that is really just one product, mm -hmm. whereas HubSpot and Salesforce and Microsoft kind of have built multiple products and linked them all together to provide the whole stack, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, those are all very, 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 very successful companies. Um, and, uh, and, you know, they're obviously, obviously doing something right. And so the all-in-one solutions um, can work. And, and I think they especially work well for smaller and growing companies that come into a product and don't necessarily have a lot of established stuff. Um, mm. Maybe have small, small, for example, in HubSpot, maybe it's just a small sales and small marketing team or an intercom, it's, you know, no one, it's a startup, right? It's like three people or whatever. And you, and you come in and use that product initially, and then it kind of grows out for you. Um, and so there's a, and there's a lot of, like we use intercom, for example, and there's a lot of value in having the same product all in one place mm. in that all the integrations are very seamless and the UI has been designed in a way that everything works together, yeah. where it's not as smooth when you're connecting multiple products together, mm -hmm. right? Mm. Um, but... For most most businesses, most of the time, um, and, and and especially if they're an already established in some way, all-in-one solutions just don't work. So in the enterprise, you can't sell Intercom to an enterprise because you would have to rip out their whole support team systems, their whole marketing systems, their whole uh, you know user dashboard systems, blah blah blah. So you're like you're, you're ripping out like products in like many different parts of the business to replace yeah. it with one. Yeah. And so you kind of need to sell to like do like five different sales cycles, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. To to close one product, which is which is really difficult. Um, to, so it's very difficult to come in and replace you know five different systems with an all-in-one solution. Right. Whereas it's much easier to come in and replace one of those systems at a time, yes. right? Um, yes. Or link mm -hmm. those systems together, right? Um, but those, those companies like Intercom and, and HubSpot, 
and, 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 and I think that's a little bit of a different approach to Salesforce and Microsoft that have many different products. But Intercom and HubSpot, once you're in and you get the company early, it's very easy to sell those other solutions to right. the company because if they don't already have a help desk system, but they already have Intercom installed, or they don't already have a CRM, but they already have HubSpot installed, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it's very easy to just plug in like their other tools. And they, it actually works better because it's been designed in a way that they all work together. Right, mm. so yeah. it's it's easy to scale those, and I think that's pretty much the approach of both of those two companies, HubSpot and Intercom, is they come into smaller businesses and they kind of grow with them. Get in early, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think it's a good experience, but I think in you know, and ideally in an ideal world, you know, you probably would have all-in-one products if you assume that company could build you know world-class products of all those different products, and they all be as good as yeah the leading individual products of that category in the market, right? Uh, which is a very hard thing to accomplish most of the time. Um, and then also, though, it's just not its just not feasible for, for, for most businesses in the world to actually use all-in-one solutions because it's just too much of a change cost to the business um, to kind of rip out all those systems and replace them. Most companies just don't have the resources to do that kind of project, right? Yeah. Who, who are you finding? Who are you finding is using Process Street now? Is it is it startups? Is it smaller businesses, or are you finding bigger ones are starting to take it up as well? Yeah. I mean, we have we have a lot of enterprise customers. Um, uh, you know, companies like BT and H and R Block, and um, you know, big big companies like that, that that basically have deployed into into teams. You know, various teams around mm-hmm. um, around the world. Our our biggest customers, I'd probably say, are are early not early stage, but later stage technology companies, but that are not kind of public. So mm-hmm. a few hundred employees, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think it's just you know technology companies, especially ones that are that are quite process heavy, depending on on what they do. Uh, you know, they're very tech savvy and. And deploy quickly. Um, otherwise, otherwise, besides technology companies, we're really seeing that professional services is where we're getting most of our traction. So, ah. agencies, marketing agencies, web agencies, mm-hmm. software consultancies, um, and then all sorts of other random services, so like hospitality and retail, and like um, you know, elderly ca- elderly care and medical, and basically people that just deliver repeatable services over and over again. Yeah, <clears throat> that's uh, that's a key, isn't it? If it's if you're doing something more than once, then you should be able to systematize that and uh, process it. Is a great way to do that. Yeah, we absolutely like love it. Startups we find early stage startups that are kind of less than fifty employees are still kind of very chaotic, mm-hmm. um, and they're growing and changing their processes so so much that it it actually becomes a little bit difficult for them to really lock things in until they figure out their you know this is our repeatable scalable sales process and this yes. is our repeatable scalable marketing process. Then they kind of implement it, but until they get to that stage, which can be up to 20, 30 people sometimes, um, they they're usually not the best candidates for process software, and they're probably actually better for project. Awesome. Good point. Well, I know uh, I can't believe the time we could we could talk here for another hour or two. I'm sure because we just love love talking about this stuff. But uh, you know, you know, we really appreciate you uh, jumping on today's call. If uh, somebody wants to have a look at Process Street. What's the address and uh, what, what are the charges for getting involved and checking it out? Yeah, so you can just head over to process.st or just Google Process Street in you know Google and you'll find it. <laughs> um, uh, the price is we have a free plan that anybody can use for as long as they want. It basically gives you up to five 
uh, five active templates and five active processes for free. So, um, yeah, you can use that for free as uh, unlimited. And if you want to basically go over that, um, we have a, a business plan which costs fifteen dollars per user per month. Or there's an annual plan as well. Excellent. Nice. Yes, and uh, if people want to find more out about you and uh, and your podcast, your podcast is called the Business Systems Explored. It's on iTunes. Where else can they find it if they're not on iTunes? Yeah, so businesssystemsexplored.com is the address that has everything there. We're also on Stitcher and Google Play. Um, or you can just Google Business Systems Explored. Excellent. And uh, nice. H, if they want to listen to our stuff, where can they go for our podcast? So very easy. You just go over to aybpodcast.com and we will have this episode there with all the show notes and some links over to Process Straight so you guys can check it out. Um, gosh, it's been amazing having you on the show, Vinay. Thank you so much for just spending the time and having this chat with us. I mean, seriously, like Andrew was saying, I'd love to have a whole episode just on startups and how you learned that. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Get into an accelerator. That's where the secrets yeah. are. Amazing. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Renee. I know you're in Mexico City right now. So, uh, are you are you traveling there or is business? What's uh, taking you to Mexico City? Uh, yeah, a bit of both. <laughs> bit of both. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you uh, carving out some time for us today, and uh, and we look forward to uh, using Process Street more and more as we uh, as we dig into it. So, uh, thank you very much. Thank you, H. Excellent. It's been a pleasure, Thanks, guys. guys. Thank you. Thanks. Bye bye. All passengers and cabin crew should now be seated with their seatbelts securely fastened. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first officer speaking. On behalf of your captains, Andrew McCauley and Heather Porter, we would like to thank you for taking the journey with us to autopilot your business. You are now closer to putting your own business on autopilot using the Internet. Of course, if you would like to rack up some frequent flyer points, visit our website, www.autopilotyourbusiness.com, or check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash autopilotyourbusiness. These frequent flyer points are totally useless, but the information is gold. Until we fly again, happy travels.